Well, in John 15, we're going to be looking at some of Jesus' final instructions to his disciples before he left them to go to heaven. Um, And really, it's a rather simple passage, uh, but I think that's good. I think I've mentioned before, I had a very close friend of mine, he used to say to me, he said, Wade, the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. Uh, He was just constantly struggling with trying to balance all the commands and the things that he felt he needed to do. Um, And we used to talk and say, well, you know, no, if you get back to it, it's, it's really very simple. We're called to love, to love God and to love others. And so he was constantly having that battle. And, and uh, it's complex and difficult on one hand, and yet this paradox, it's, it's, it's easy on the other, and it's simple. I uh, like what uh, Albert Einstein has said about simplifying things. He said, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. And also said, he said, any intelligent fool can make things bigger, more complex, and more violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. And I think that's what's amazing as we look at Jesus' teaching in John 15 is he does that. We see the the genius of Jesus' teaching making the Christian life very simple for us. And basically, as we look at John 15... It's got three parts. The first one is about the disciples' relationship with Jesus, and in it, he commands them to abide in him, okay, to have his words abide in them and to, for them to abide in his love. Then the second part, the disciples' relationship with each other, and there's a command, and it's to love one another. And then the last part, is about the disciples' relationship with the world, and he commands them, you must testify. He says, you're going to be hated because I was hated. There's going to be difficulties, but you must testify. And it's interesting, these uh, are the only three commands in in John 15, to abide in him, to love one another, and to testify. And so it helps us in seeing the structure of what Jesus is saying. But let's begin with the first part. Disciples' relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Thank you, Henry. You have a smaller one? Uh, (laughs) Okay, so... In this passage, we see this focus 
on their relationship with Jesus, that they are to abide in him. Okay? And he, and he says here um, in verse 2, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes it away, and every branch, oh, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And Henry talked about that in his life, that there are areas that um, he's, he's growing, he's bearing fruit, and because of that, God wants him to bear more fruit, and so he prunes these, these areas of difficulties that he's having. And it's interesting, my mother-in-law has a green thumb, and she just, she plants everything, and she plants it everywhere. There's, there's no, she, you just go out, and everything is just growing on top of itself, and it's not the way I was raised to plant things, but it grows. She just can grow everything. Uh, but it was about a year ago, we have um, a mulberry tree, and she said, oh, we need to prune it. So she went out and pruned it, and when I got out there, I went, I mean, I, she just way overdid it. I mean, it was, it was a big tree, and now it's just this little shrub. And I was so disappointed because I really liked those mulberries. But, you know, that next year, it was unbelievable how much more fruit there was. And that, as a general principle, the, when the vine dresser dresses the vine and prunes it, it's significant. It, it seems like it's way more than's necessary. And I think in our lives sometimes we say, whoa, Lord, that, that, that's plenty. Um, but he knows what he's doing. He's a master gardener. And so because he loves us, he prunes our lives. He allows us to go through difficulties so that we can bear more fruit. And the key here, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we often think, oh, oh, I can, I can do it. To ourselves, we often will say, well, I don't know. I've done a lot. Look what I've accomplished at my work or look what I've done in my ministry. But over time, when, when I look back at my life, I see the times when I did things in the Lord's strength, and I see the things that I did in my strength. And it's very humbling, because I see that's true, that apart from God, I can do nothing. The things that I thought were something was done in my own strength, over time it turns to nothing. And the things that I did in His strength, even if it was a small thing, but I did it in desperate dependence on Him, it's amazing what comes from that. Like he said, just a little mustard seed in God's kingdom can turn into a huge plant. And this idea of the branch, of course, it's so obvious. Apart from the vine, the branch can't grow. It'd be like if we went out, oh, this mulberry branch, look how many big mulberries it has. I'm going to cut it off and bring it in the house and watch it grow. Okay, that's ridiculous. But yet, so often in our lives, we try to do things apart from the source, apart from the strength of Christ. And a lot of times when we think about abiding, we think, okay, the key to abiding is I have a quiet time. And if I'm good and steady at having my quiet time, I'm abiding. But really, and I am in no way downplaying the importance of a quiet time. Jesus began every day getting up early and going to be alone with the Lord. But so often in my life, I have a quiet time, and then I go on with my day, and around noon I'll say, wow, 
I haven't had a thought about God all day since my quiet time. I haven't relied on him at all today. And I try to make it a habit just to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me include you in all of my day. Because that's what abiding means. The word abide is sometimes translated uh, to dwell, dwell in me, live in me, like uh, your abode, my, I, my abode is here, my house. So it's to dwell in God. And really the quiet time should be for us like priming the pump. It's just getting us started with God so that we can take him with us through the whole day or we can stay next to him. As it says in Genesis, Noah walked with God, that, that we can walk with God. Our quiet time is where we hook up with God so we can walk with him. Wherever he's going, we, we can go. Um, and that's difficult to walk with him, to stay in his presence. But that is really what he desires. So if you're having success with your quiet time, praise the Lord. But let's all, I know the Lord wants us to go beyond that. He wants us to live in him, to be like a branch that gets its nourishment, its strength from the vine, and that we'll learn to live that way. Uh, But we need the Holy Spirit to do that. My prayer is often, Holy Spirit, help me learn how to dwell in God, dwell in Jesus, abide in him. Also, sometimes we, um, there's a verse in Colossians, I believe, talks about that, how we start living by grace, and then Paul questions, how are you living now? That we started by grace, and then we go to works. And in our life, no, we're saved by faith, by Nothing we've done, but it's what Jesus has done for us. And that's how we're to live, relying upon him. Not through our own strength, not relying on our works, not relying on us, but relying upon him. So we start our walk of faith with grace, our utter dependence on what he's done for us, and we continue to live the Christian life in grace. All right, and as I mentioned these commands, he has the command to abide in me, and then in verse 9 and 10 he says, abide in my love. And it's not a command, but it's uh, equated with the other commands when he says, if my words abide in you. Um, Let's look at that here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So those are all equated. Abiding in him, his word abiding in us, us abiding, dwelling in his love. He's the source of all love. And so he wants us to to live in that love. But I think this is very significant here. Uh, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if my words dwell in you, if my words live in you, in you, if my words find a home in you. I think John Piper said it this way. He said, when God's word finds a home in you, it means that some things that the word says don't belong there get pushed out of the way and get moved out so that his word can find its home there. Because his word often finds things in our life that don't agree with it, that contradict it. And God, his word has that effect of helping us to push out these unwanted things in our home so that it, it can dwell there. 
But thinking about that, how, if this is so important, because look at the result here. If my words abide in you, if you abide in me, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. How would you like to be that, the descriptor of your prayer life? Yeah, everything I ask God to do, he does. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? And I think what this is saying is, as God, as we abide in him, as we live in him moment by moment, and as we allow his word in our lives to make its home there, that one, we begin to see our prayers answered because the things we're asking for are the things on God's heart. And so we're praying according to his will. And so this is so key to allow his word into our life, making its home there. And also, I, would, I, I think there's a part of it where as his word lives in our life, we begin to have more faith. We're willing to trust him for bigger and bigger things because we're abiding in him and getting access to his supernatural power. We're not living just trying to do things on our own strength, but in his supernatural strength. And I think a couple of the ways that we can really allow the word to abide in us, one is through scripture memory. Another is to study the word, to to not just read it, but have a regular habit of the discipline of studying God's word, Bible study, really wrestling with the truths. Uh, And I believe uh, times of meditating on God's word, I think those for me are three of the most powerful. And actually, when I've taken that time and had the discipline to memorize his word, I find that, wow, then at any time I can recite those passages, those verses, and think about them and meditate on them. So it's always there. I can uh, study it more. So it's always available. And in my life, I've seen that. People that I've known that have really been diligent about hiding God's word in their heart, memorizing it, uh, have really had some special habits. I should be much better at um, memorizing God's Word. When I was in college, my first year, there was a guy, I was involved with the Navigators, and there was a guy named Brad Miller that discipled me that year and, and some other uh, cadets. And uh, Brad was famous in the Navigators. Has anybody ever heard of the topical memory system? Okay, the Navigators, they have a little box, and it's filled with these cards. There's about 40 in the initial set. And you learn to memorize them. From the very beginning of your Christian walk, every week you're trying to memorize a new version. You got it on a card and you keep your pack in your pocket. And it's really helpful. Those initial verses are about how to lead somebody to Christ, the verses that you need. And so I'm so thankful for that because I remember those today because I learned it back then so well. But then they have scriptures on everything. But Brad's claim to fame was that on the first initial topical memory system, maybe Paul, you remember this, there was a picture of a guy's face, and it was Brad Miller. He was on the cover of the topical memory system, and this guy is discipling me. He was amazing. He had a file of these little memory cards, and he was constantly learning new ones every week, and then he had a system where, okay, I've, I've learned this 30, so I'll put them back here, and I'll review them every two months, and I bring in these new ones. So he was a machine. He was a memorizing machine. But... Uh, as I look back at Brad, I, I realize, just this week I was thinking about it, I think, wow, he was one of the most influential people in my life. He had 
such a love for God. He had a joy for life. He loved people. He laughed all the time. He laughed about tomorrow. He didn't worry about things. He just committed them to the Lord. And I realized, as I began to think about him and others that I knew that memorized the Word of God a lot, how often they turned out to be really godly people because they made room in their heart for God's Word. And so I have been challenged this week that I want to make that part of my life more and more. Um, There's a passage... Um, I memorized several verses, but over the years I've forgotten so many. Um, Philippians 2 is one that I've always been drawn to. And I memorized different parts of it throughout time, and then I never did the whole chapter, but I pulled some of the parts together. I want to try to, to say it now just to illustrate how much that passage has meant to me. Um, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held onto, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more so in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because it is God who is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may be, do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may be, help me out here, you may be, say it again, blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life so that I may be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or for nothing. And uh, it ends with, can I have a little help there, Michelle? (laughs) Uh, The last one, verse 18. So even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the faith, uh, uh, on the sacrifice and service that comes from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So too you should be glad and rejoice with me. Okay. So, Paul, thank you. I was wondering whether I should do that. I said, Lord, is that like showing off if I do that? And Lord, I felt Lord said to me. No, because you're probably going to screw it up. <laughs> so he, he was right about that. 
But I wanted to share that because that's the only long passage I know. I used to know Psalm 19. I remember one year in Thailand, I memorized it's about the heavens declare the wonders of God, the uh, skies proclaim his, uh, display his knowledge. And I remember walking along the beach and quoting that. Oh, it was a powerful way of worship for me. But I tried to do it the other day, and I, it was not pretty. Um, so the next longest passage that I know is the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> um, so that's really the only passage I've done. But that passage, I guess I would come to say, or I feel, normally I can do a little better than that, but I feel like I own that passage, if you know what I mean, that it's, it's mine. I've said it so many times, and I've taken it apart and thought about the different parts, and this therefore, oh, I get it, that therefore is because Christ was exalted because he humbled himself. Okay, and there's this therefore at the end. Okay, because Christ did this and that happened, therefore we should live like that. The passage makes sense to me. And when I say it, I, I, there's different parts that I emphasize because I feel like I understand what Paul was trying to say. And that's not true for a lot of passages that I would even read. Um, and so I, I thought about that, and that passage has been very meaningful in my life. Um, the part about Jesus, though um, had the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be held onto, but made himself nothing. I used to say that over and over again to myself in China, because I'd get so discouraged uh, trying to uh, give up my rights as an American. I remember, you know, one time, the whole language study process, I was out, I had this, I was using the LAMP method for a while, which is where you memorize some sentences, then you go out and say it, and I was going around to shop owners and saying it, and, and this one lady, she asked me, she said, do you think Chinese is difficult? And I said, oh, yeah, I find Chinese very difficult to, very difficult to learn for an American. And she looked at me with this puzzled face, and she said, no, it's not. Even our kids speak it. <laughs> I was totally deflated. I was like, oh, God. You know, and I often felt, you know, I was talking like a little kid. I felt my status in society was like a little kid. People didn't know that I knew anything. They just, here's this guy bumbling around in Chinese. And so very humbling experience. And, and it is for many workers. I mean, it can strike to the core of who you are. Am I... Am I valuable? Am I, what am I doing here? Lord, why? Um, these people, I don't have any status here. I'm just a, like a child in their eyes. you know. Um, but I would go back to that passage and say, wow, look at Jesus' example. He was in heaven. He was one with the Lord and he gave that up and became nothing. So, Lord, there's no reason I can't follow your example and give up what I felt are my rights and humble myself. And Lord, you're not asking me to, to die. Jesus humbled himself to the point of dying. So yes, Lord, help me. I, I can do this. So that passage began to find a home in my heart and began to push out some of these lies that were there, the things competing for that space. And so that can be one of the great advantages of memorizing God's Word. And then any time you can bring it up and begin to think about it. If you're driving to work or you have free time, 
can let God's word come to your mind. It doesn't have to be a big passage like that. Um, I do think I would encourage you, if you have a favorite passage, that has been such a blessing to me, and I've known many others. I know there are some pastors that memorize their text every week. I mean, there's some amazing people, but just start with something doable. Start with a verse that's helpful to you or that you need to be hearing, that you need to make room in your life for and, and memorize that and then meditate on it so that it finds a place there in your heart. And I think it's a big part of what Jesus was saying. Abide in me, dwell in me, and make room for my words so that they can live and dwell in your heart. I mentioned this before, Colossians 2. Therefore, as you received Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up, established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So the way we received Christ is the way we're to walk with him in dependence, all based on what he's done for us. And then if we look at the indicators, what are indicators that a person is living their life out of the overflow of the resources of Jesus? And I would say joy as we go back to that passage. Look at the last sentence here. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Wow. Would you like to have the joy of Jesus Christ in you? Jesus is wanting to give it. He just wants us to abide in him and have his words abiding in us. And that will help lead to his joy living in us. So that our joy may be full. That's what God wants. He really does want that to be characteristic of our life. And so as we look at that, the fruit that he's, one of the fruits that he's wanting to see out of this is that our lives have joy. And if you look at your life and you see, like me, wow, there are times when uh, my circumstances seem to keep me from having joy. Or I should say, I allow my circumstances to keep me from having joy. But that, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want our joy determined by our circumstances. He is able and wants to give it in all circumstances. He's with us. So that's a great way we can do that. And I was thinking back here in this, this area with Hudson Taylor. At a low point in his life, uh, a friend wrote him a letter because he had written a letter saying to him, oh, I'm constantly trying to overcome sin. I'm constantly trying to tap into the root of Christ. I'm trying to get into Christ so that I can have access, like the branch to the vine, that I can draw my strength. I can draw supernatural power from God, so I'm trying to tap into it. And his friend wrote to him and said, don't you realize you are already in Christ? You don't have to tap into it, do this work of digging and to get in there. You're, you're in it. Just appropriate it. He said, can the right hand be rich and the left poor? Can Christ be rich and we poor? No, his resources are ours. And as we abide in him, that's how we access them. Just like the branch, it's connected to the vine. That's where it gets its resources. We just need to make sure we stay connected to him. Now let's look at the second part here in this passage, which has to do with the disciples' relationship with Jesus. Okay. 
Oh, I'm sorry. We already talked about this, so here. In John 15, 12 to 17, where he focuses on their relationship with each other. First he talked about their relationship with him, now with each other. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So he talked about abiding in him. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What, what is that fruit? Well, one of them is that we're able to love one another. We're able to love other people. And we all know that's not easy. There's difficult people at work. There's difficult people at home. There's difficult people at church. Everywhere we go, there's challenges in, in loving. And we need God's supernatural power. We need to be connected to his supernatural power in order to do it. And here, note that he says, how are we to love? Love each other as I have loved you. How did he love us? He loved us sacrificially. So to sacrificially love others, is that easy? No, the only way we can possibly do that is tapping or appropriating Jesus' supernatural power into our lives. And again, he talks about he's called us to be his friends, not just servants, but that's the kind of relationship that he wants. That only happens by abiding, that we go from just being a servant of God to his friends. He's made everything he's doing known to us, and he calls us as friends to participate with him. And again here, the command is to love one another, all right, and what are the indicators that we're doing that, that we're abiding in him, that we're connected to the supernatural power of Jesus? It's when we're loving others sacrificially. That's a sign that we're bearing that kind of fruit that he wants. How about your own lives? If you just close your eyes for a minute, just ask the Lord, Lord, how am I doing it? Really, not just using my own strength to love my wife or my kids or my parents or my friends or my co-workers or people at church. Lord, how am I doing at, at using your supernatural love to love them? And if you're like me and you find that so often you're trying to do it in your own strength or through your own habits, um, just take a moment to Ask the Lord to forgive you and receive his forgiveness. And just pray and ask the Lord right now, Lord, help me to use your power, your supernatural power that you've given me so that I can have fullness of joy, so that I can love others sacrificially, that I can consider others better than myself and not just look to my own interests, but look to the interests of others as well. Then the final section, Jesus discusses their relationship with the world. It's a very sobering passage here. 
realize he's getting ready to go, and so he's preparing them for what's going to be ahead from, for them. This was something in China that we began to do. We realized, wow, these believers are going to encounter difficulties. So one of the ways we did this is at the baptism ceremony, we would, they would say yes to five different questions. Do you believe that you're a sinner and Jesus died on the cross for your sins? We go on. But the last question that was added was, are you saying today that you're going to follow Christ and trust in him alone? And even if the police come in the middle of the night to take you to jail or to persecute you because you believe in Jesus, that you'll continue to follow him. And so that's a very sobering part of the baptism, but these believers were realized through that, okay, I understand what I'm committing to. And we were preparing them for what might be ahead for them. And that's the same thing Jesus is doing here. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. The advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So he prepares them and lets them know, because uh, the the servant is not better than the master, they are going to have persecution and difficulty. Because they hated him, they're going to hate them as well. But, and that's a very, that's a downer. Can you imagine if you're receiving that just before Jesus is going to leave? Wow, Lord, that's what we've got to look forward to. But then he ends. He says, no, I'm going to leave you an advocate who's going to stand on your behalf to help you. The Holy Spirit of truth who goes from the Father, he's going to be with you. And later he said, he'll live in your very heart. And because of him, springs of living water will come out of your life. He'll testify about me, and you also must testify about me. And again, this is one of the fruits that we see as we abide in Christ and we appropriate his supernatural power that we'll find ourselves testifying more. And as I mentioned last time, I I think it's true in my life. It makes sense, seems to be logically fitting that if we're not uh, bearing fruit and it's mentioning testifying, if that's an area we're not bearing fruit, then likely it's not because it's because we're not abiding in him the way that we should. And that as we do draw our strength from him and not our own human resources, that we'll find ourselves able to testify. We'll say, Lord, do you want me to talk to this person? And the Holy Spirit nudges you and said, yes, just go up and start by saying hi. And when you obey him, you say, Lord, I can't do this, but 
through you, you strengthen me, help me, Lord, I'll try it. And he does. He's faithful to strengthen us. But we're needing to abide and rely upon his, his strength. So again, the command is you must testify. And the indicator that we're remaining part of the vine is that despite being persecuted or hated for no reason, we will testify of Christ. Um, now, this looks different certainly in America than in China, but there are people that we know that treat us differently because we've made it known that we're a believer. Um, but nonetheless, regardless of how people treat us by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we share truth about God that he prompts us to. So, in looking back over this, we have the three main ideas. The, the, the central one is that we must abide in him. And then the fruit, he says, that will come from that includes loving one another through God's supernatural power and through God's supernatural power testifying to the world. And many other fruit comes from us remaining in him. But in this passage, Jesus focuses on, on these three in particular. And I want us just to conclude with this simple word picture or illustration of this idea. And, and it's very simple. And I believe... Jesus wanted it to be that way. And as we look at these, this is going to represent abiding in Christ. This is going to represent loving one another. And oh, thank you. And this will represent a testifying of Jesus. But this passage has said very clearly that if we remain in him, that will bear much fruit. So by remaining in him, out of the overflow of that, we're able to access God's supernatural power to be able to spill over as we love others and as we continue to abide in Him. Through His supernatural power, we're able to see overflow in us testifying of Him. But it all starts in this. Remaining in Him, letting Him fill us to overflowing. The Scriptures say we're to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but continually be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we overflow. And I don't, I don't believe this passage is saying that first we abide in Him, and then we love others, and then after we've loved others, we can start testifying the world. That, that's not apparent at all in that passage. There's no consecutive order like that. So to make this a little more accurate, I should actually try to put a little hole in here. Okay, so that with this hole, hopefully, let me try this again, that we're not just secondly loving others and then the world, but if we were to do it again, as we're abiding in Christ and loving others at the same time, we're testifying to the world. But we said in our lives, apart from Him, we can do nothing. So sometimes I look back, like I said, about parts of my life, and I'd look at this bowl and I'd say, wow, the outside part's empty. And I thought I was loving people, but I don't see any water there. 
And this abiding one is looking pretty empty too. Because I was doing things in my own strength. What about if you think of your own life now? What would your bowls look like? How is your abiding in Christ cup looking? Does it look like you have water in these other areas? And is it true living water? The kind of which Jesus said would spring up from within us because of the Holy Spirit? Or is it water that really, after a while, we'll see that it just evaporates because it was from our own human strength? Just close your eyes and think in your own mind. What, Lord, show me, what, is, what do my bowls look like? And if you're seeing that your bowls are drier than you want them to be or lower than you want them to be because it's been human effort, just take a moment and ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you for not abiding in Him more and living by your own power. And receive His forgiveness. And now, let's make it our prayer. Jesus, help me to learn to dwell in you and allow your word to be at home in my heart. Let me make room for your word so it can dwell in me. Lord, help me to appropriate your supernatural power and rely upon your power to love others, to testify to the world. Lord, that I could have a life that's full of joy. Lord, you know I desire that. I want to experience the joy that comes from you. So Lord, I ask you, would you help fill up my life to overflowing? And out of that overflow, I would bear much fruit. We pray this all, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom and for your glory. Amen.